Man, it's good to be together with everyone this morning as it is every Sunday. I'm excited about this morning. Um, as we start today's message, I just want to do a quick little, uh, little, I don't know, participation, pop quiz type thing uh, with some interaction with you all, um, just real briefly. But I, I'm gonna, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say a uh, famous first line of a book. And if you know the name of the book... Uh, feel free to shout it out, okay? So all you teachers' pets, get ready, all right? I, I was wondering if you were going to be here, and she is, and raising her hand from the back row. All right, Kelly, this is your moment to shine, all right? Um, and you don't even have to wait until I'm done, all right? They're pretty easy, I will say. They're pretty easy. Call me Ishmael. Moby Dick. Moby Dick, very good. That took longer than I thought. Um, all right. It was the best of times. It was... Yes. A Tale of Two Cities, that's right. Someone said Great Expectations, and I said yes. Uh, Tale of Two Cities. This one was a little harder, but uh, we'll see if you get it. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. Anyone? Yes, Pride and Prejudice. Very good. Mm, Mr. Dalasi, right? If I had said it in an English accent, which I really wanted to do, uh, maybe you would have gotten it sooner. These are famous quotes from, from these books, opening lines. As, in, as you open the cover and you read the first page, that's what you read. And, and they're iconic, right? They even almost transcend the book itself when you hear these lines. And what we need to understand about the Bible is that it is a beautifully written literature that we get to dive into all the time. It is so deep, and it is so well-written. I don't know if you've ever, not here, but if you've ever uh, sat under a teaching of a real Bible scholar, um, and, you, <laughs> and, you, and you just see how deep the Bible goes, it will blow your mind. It blows your mind how incredibly well-written it is, and, and how God is able to tie things together through all of it, and it's, it's like no other work. It's like no other book that has ever existed and will ever exist because its author is perfect. Its author is God. Think about that. It's God's words and how they are interwoven together is so amazing. It's amazing. And there is a book in the Bible that has an opening sentence, an opening line that blows these other ones out of the water. It is incredible. It is a mic drop opening sentence to its book and, and, and waste no time in getting to the point. And it is the Gospel of John. And John's opening sentence and opening few verses are so deep and so amazing. It is the true mic drop moment that it defines and it is the standard for all other opening sentence to anything that has ever been written before. And that is what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going, to, we're going to look in the first few verses of John chapter 1. And the reason that I want to do it is because I just had this, this yearning, this real desire this morning to get back to solely and only talking about Jesus himself. And, and I love the, the series that we did on Esther. It was, it, listen, I, that's my jam. I love doing those things. And Jesus is in all of it. But this morning, it's, it's all about Jesus because... Every morning and every day, it's all about Jesus. And when I think about making Jesus the center in, in, in the conversation solely and completely, it always goes back to John chapter 1, verse 1, every time. So let's read that this morning. And what we're going to do is we're going to 
read through the first five verses, and then we're going to break it down verse by verse, part by part. It says, John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Here it is. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Everett, can we turn my mic down just a little bit? It's kind of echoing up here. Thank you. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, let's consider as as we read these verses and talk this morning who the audience was. It was the Jews and it was the Greeks, all right? Two very different people groups. But the beauty of the Bible is that it is able to capture both audiences at the same time, speak to them in where they are at at the same time, and make the same point to both. The brilliance of the Word of God. And as we talk about John, we need to understand how it is different from the other Gospels. You have the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those are the synoptic Gospels, all right? What Matthew, Mark, and Luke do is they tell us about Jesus' work, all right? What he did, what he preached, how he went about doing that. And John is very different. John doesn't necessarily tell us about the things that Jesus did, but more so about who Jesus is. It tells us about the person of Jesus, and you'll hear several pastors and teachers, myself included, when asked, you know, I'm, I'm new to this church thing, I'm new to Jesus, and I have this Bible, and I have no idea where to start reading. I don't know what I'm doing. Do I start at the beginning? Do I start in the middle? Do I start in the end? I don't know what to do. Most pastors will say, start in John. Start in John, and it's because it tells us of who Jesus is, Right? It's been said that that the book of John is shallow enough for a baby to swim in and deep enough for an elephant to bathe in. It is all those things in this book. And it tells us of who Jesus is. And the reason that is so important to begin there is because God, because Jesus, is first and foremost interested in a relationship with us. And the way that you grow in a relationship is not hearing about what people do or what they're capable of, but who they are. And so Jesus is saying, start with who I am. Start with who I am, because if you do that and you get to know me, I am confident in myself that you are then going to believe in me. And you will want a relationship with me. Not done arrogantly, because Jesus is sure of himself. The point of the Gospel of John is to believe in him. John 20, verse 31 says, All this was written so that you might believe. It's belief. Believe in him. And so John the writer says, well, if we're going to do that, we need to talk about who he is. We're not going to talk about his birth, right? It's not in John. We're not going to talk even the parables, the Last Supper. All these things are not found in John. But what we find right off the bat is who Jesus is in the beginning. Those first three words, in the beginning. Now you have our attention, John. Now, now you have our attention because we are all fixated and obsessed with in the beginning. We are all wanting to know now and then. But listen, it's still being debated. Where did we come from? Right? Who, what, when, where, how, why, all that stuff. Who created us? Why did he create us? How did he create us? When did he create us? For what purpose? What's the whole point of all this, right? 
You, you don't have, it doesn't matter you, whether it's what side of the political line you're on. We all ask that question. What is the purpose of all of this? Why? In the beginning. Listen, even Marvel movies have origin stories, right? Because we like to know, where, where did Iron Man come from? Oh, a cave where he was unguarded, free to make this thing that no one was seen in mind? Right? <clears throat> we want to know where Batman came from. Okay, another cave, right? Yes. <laughs> kind of weird. Wow, thank you, Sal. That's why he's an elder. I didn't even realize that. <clears throat> but we're obsessed with the origin story. And if, and if, we're, if we're interested in, in Marvel comics and in, in Justice League, how much more so are our own existence? Right? Man, I really want to know. When is the beginning? And John says, I got something for y'all. I got something for you. In the beginning. Jews and Greeks alike. I'm, I'm listening. Okay? I'm listening. In the beginning was the Word. Now, for the Jews, this sounded familiar. This sounds like Genesis 1. In the beginning, God. Right? Because in the beginning, the Word, what we have to understand about the Jews then is the Word of God was God, all right? It wasn't, it wasn't things that God spoke. The, the prophets would say the, the word of God, meaning not things that, G, that God wants to say, but God himself. It was another way of saying God. It expanded his title, okay? So we hear word of God, we think, okay, these are the words that, G, that Jesus or God said. But when the Jews heard word of God, they heard God, okay? So when John says, in the beginning, the word, they're hearing in the beginning, God. It's like, okay, this sounds familiar. This sounds like Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created, right? And so he again has their attention. But this word that John is using is not word, it's logos, all right? In the beginning, logos. And this is what is is so amazing, again, about the word of God, because when he uses that word, not only does he have the Jews' attention, but now he has the Greeks' attention. Because the Greeks understood this word logos, but for them it was a very different meaning. It wasn't God. It was the thing that gave uh, order to chaos. The thing that gave reason, right, amongst all, like, basically there was nothing and then there was all of this. And the thing that did that was logos. It gave purpose. It gave understanding. And so what John is now saying to the Greeks is, check this out. In the beginning, logos. In the beginning was reason. In the beginning was purpose. But in the beginning announces that if there's the word and we're talking about Jesus, that Jesus is outside of us because he is outside of time. Saying in the beginning, there already was, all right? Not was to be, but was. And so what John is announcing with those first three words in the beginning was that in the beginning, Jesus was limitless, all right? Jesus is limitless, Because if you operate outside of time, you operate outside of limits. We are limited. If nothing else, we're limited by the time that we have here on earth. We get older, right? Our hair falls out or it turns gray. Or for some of us, maybe you keep it all and it doesn't turn gray. And for those that do, like, I don't care for you very much, right? (laughs) But all of us, 
All of us have this time. The sun comes up, the sun goes down, and the next day your birthday comes and it comes sooner and sooner every year. And then you reach this one point in your life where you wake up and you have an injury due to sleep. <laughs> right? We all know it. And if you don't understand that, if that hasn't happened to you yet, it's coming for you. Talking to you 20 and 30 year olds, all right? You're going to wake up one morning and go, ah, my arm, what happened? I slept and I have an injury. Yes, we are limited, all right? You can hurt yourself sleeping. We are limited. Jesus operates outside of that. All right, he operates outside that. He is limitless in what he can do. And that is the first point that John is making by saying in the beginning was. In the beginning, Jesus. All right, let's not put any limitations on him. Don't you dare put limitations on him. He doesn't have any. That's what John's saying to them then. And that's what we need to understand now. Jesus has no limitations. None. None. He is outside of us. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was this purpose, was this understanding, was this reason, was this order amongst chaos. And as John says this, what the Greeks hear is in the beginning, from the very, very beginning, this thing that we have been uh, debating, uh, arguing, philosophizing, if that's a word, or whatever it might be, was actually, has actually been here all along. It has been here all along because what, what, they, what they understood this logos to be was like a mist, right? It was like this, this kind of floating thing, all right? Basically, they were, they were waiting for Star Wars to come out so they could call it the Force, all right? It was the Force for them. They never considered it to be God. It was just this thing, and John is about to blow their minds. In the beginning was this purpose, and it had been here there all along. But he goes deeper. In the beginning was the word. And here, so, but before we even get there, we have the Jews kind of tracking this way, and we have the, the Greeks kind of tracking this way. And now John is about to bring them together and blow all of their minds, okay, with this next verse. And the word was with God, and the word was God. So the Greeks are like, wait a second. So this thing that we've been debating about, this, this thing that we've been searching for, this purpose, this understanding, this order, this, this thing that we thought was like a mist, not only has it been here all along, but you're saying it's God? And the Jews are saying, okay, in the beginning was the word because that's God, but, but now you threw this other word in there that doesn't really make any sense to us. You're saying in the beginning was the word and the word was with God? And the word was God? Doesn't that seem contradictory? Listen, if I'm walking down the street, I don't tell people that my arm is with me. My arm just is me. So to be with someone or something, it has to be separate from that thing. And so the Jews are going, wait a second, you're saying that in the beginning was the word, was this logos, was God, but also was with God? I don't understand. John's saying, yep. Pretty awesome opening sentence, huh? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So the Father and the Son are equally God, yet distinct in their person. 
The Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Father. Yet they are equally God, with God the Holy Spirit making one God in three persons. The best way that I can explain this God and Jesus togetherness is really, it's, it's Jesse and me. We are one flesh. We are husband and wife. And I love her very much. She looks super pretty today, by the way. Um, totally just embarrassed her. Um, we are one, but I'm not Jesse. We're the McDonald's, right? But she is her own person and I am mine, but also together we are one. And that is like the most basic, simplest terms ever. God is God, and there is Jesus, and they are equally God, but they are also separate within each other. John is introducing the Trinity here, and they're going, what? If, they, if he had their attention at in the beginning, how much more so does he have their attention now? In the beginning was the Word, so he is limitless. He is purpose, and he is God, and he has been there all along. But he doesn't stay there. Even though Jesus is outside of us, he doesn't stay there. It goes on in verse 2. So, so, so before we get there, though, remember it says, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then there's a huge transition in verse 2, because it says this, what? He was with God in the beginning. He. That sounds like a person to me. So far it's been the word, right? And God and with God. Now, all of a sudden, there's a he assigned to it. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Through him, all things were made. So, Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created. Now it's saying, in the beginning, Jesus made all things. So they are one God, equally, creating all things. What John does here in verse 2 is he introduces Jesus' authority. First, he says he's limitless. Then he gives us purpose. Now he's saying he is authority. Because if you create all things, you have the authority, right? The creation does not have authority. The creator has authority. I'm going to say that again, because we need to be reminded of that. Creation doesn't have the authority. The creator has the authority. We do not get to tell God what to do or how to be a better God. He created us. And as much as we think we know what is best, we are to submit to our creator. And I'm not just talking about the world as a whole, y'all. I'm talking about the church right now in the season in this world that we live in. We are the ones that need to be leading that charge. God, you are the creator. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning was the word. Not me. It doesn't say James in there anywhere, okay? Not any one of us. God is the one who is limitless. God is the one that gives purpose. God is the one that has authority. And we find it all in Jesus, not in ourselves. He has the authority. Man, we need to act like it. And I don't mean that in like a, we need to act like it confidently. We need to act like it like we know who God is. And that what Genesis says and what John chapter 1 says is real and is true. That yes, everything was made through Jesus. Hallelujah. We're going to be all right. We are going to be all right. Because the creator has the authority, no one else. Anyone else that says so is just masquerading and is going to, is, is, is going to be uh, in for a rude awakening. 
God has the authority. We're going to get to more of that in just a second. Verse 4. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I love that. In him was life. With all the authority that Jesus has, all the, the, the limitlessness and the purpose of Jesus, in all of it, there's life in him. There's life in Jesus. Hmm. And darkness has not and will not overcome it. Verse 6, we're going to read a little bit of these verses. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Verse 10, here it is, that word again, he. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Okay, I, I just want to pause here for a second, because when, when I was reading through these few verses right here, something, it just dawned, not dawned on me, but just made me think. We see here that Jesus is limitless. He is the authority. And he came down to earth. And it says in these verses, in verse 10, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, right, he made the world, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, when his own did not receive him. How incredibly humble is Jesus to put up with this? Honestly. Like I'm reading him going, wait, Jesus, he was, he was in the beginning. He was before all that. He stood outside of creation and he spoke everything. And, and then he comes into this world and, and the world rejects him? The world nails him to a cross? And he allowed it. He allowed it. Because though he was in the beginning, and though he is limitless, and though he gives purpose, and he gives light, and he gives life, and he has authority, he allowed the world that he created to nail him to a cross. I don't, I don't know. That's tough. That is unbelievable humility from the creator of the universe who was there before all of it. All the mocking, the spitting. All he had to say was, do you know that I created you? That I'm the one with authority? But he just let it go so that we could know him, so that the gospel of John could be written and that we could have a relationship with the God who was there in the beginning, who gives purpose, who gives life, who gives light, Hmm. Verse 12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. And here's where it gets really good. John says, in case you missed it, that's, my, that's me throwing that in there. In case you missed it, verse 14, the word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son. 
who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. He was flesh. He was blood. He was a man. This God that was outside of us, that was in the beginning, that that created everything, that is limitless, actually got in the mix. He was outside of us, and then he joined us as flesh. And so for the first time, these Greeks are hearing this and they're going, this logos, that was a mist, that was something that we just debated about, that was this aura or whatever, that was this, this, this thing that drew uh, from chaos, brought order and brought purpose, was actually now, for the first time ever, something that we could touch. And we could reach out, we could hear his voice, and we could touch him. And this God who was limitless lived in this fleshly body and would stub his toe on the coffee table and would get hungry, maybe even sick, would have, feel rejection, right? would feel pain, feel sadness, would tell jokes around the dinner table, became one of us. He was limitless, had full authority, said, I'm going to become flesh and I'm going to live among you. And not just, not just live among you to observe you, but I'm going to experience everything that you experience, all of it, and then some, so that when you come to me, when you believe in me and you pray to me, I'm not going to be a God that says, you know what, I can't really relate to that. I don't really know what you're talking about. You say, I know exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. Because even in my limitlessness, in my outside the world, I came in to be with you. Came in to be with you. The word of God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. But just by doing so does not change the fact that he was still the divine God. Jesus himself says in uh, John chapter 8, verse 58, Very truly I tell you, he answered, Before Abraham was born, I am. Whoa, bold, bold proclamation there. Before Abraham was born, I am. Which the Jews have heard before. Moses was told by God to go to Egypt to free all the Israelites. God, who, who, who do I even say sent me? I don't even know your name. Tell them I am sent you. So this resonates. Jesus is announcing what John is writing in the very first verse of his gospel, that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. I am, not I was, not I am going to be, but I am because I am limitless, because I do not, do not operate in time like you do. I am outside of it, and I am in it with you. How incredible. How incredible is Jesus to us? Though he is I am, he did hang on a cross. He did walk this earth. He did feel all the hurts and all the pains of just what it means to be a human being on this planet. He experienced all of it. By saying I am, he is saying I am sovereign. I am sovereign. Sovereignty is God's right and power to do all that uh, his de- he decides to do. God's right and power to do all that he decides 
to do. So whatever God decides to do, he can do it. He is sovereign. Period. And in his sovereignty, he said, what I want to do, what I am going to do, is I'm going to send Jesus. And he's going to bring life, and he's going to bring light. For all who believe. For all who believe. And this may sound like a very familiar message to you all today, but I want to get the heart of this all is that in Jesus and in Jesus alone is where we find this logos, this purpose, this satisfaction of life that we, I believe, all are so desperately looking for. I'm going to have the band come back up, and I want to read this quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Or better way, or what that is saying is that something outside of this world must be the thing which satisfies me. And the beauty of Jesus is that he is outside of this world and he was in this world. So we have these longings, right? We have this desire for satisfaction. We have this desire for life and for light and for purpose and for reason and for understanding. I mean, every single one of us in this room, those watching online, those who never will, will go through the doors of a church, all have the same desire of this satisfaction. And we go through it in different ways. Some of us, we live life, we live the, a, a simple life. We want more time and, and basic stuff. And so we think we're going to find satisfaction that way. Others, it's, it's, about, it's about our job and our status and our money. We think we're going to find satisfaction that way and, and knew this and knew that. Some of us, it's in, it's in relationships. So we date and we date and we sleep with this person and that person. Others, it's with alcohol and drugs. And so we consume all these things and all this stuff looking for satisfaction, looking for this, to fill this hole in our heart. And what God is saying is, I have been here since the very beginning, all along. The satisfaction that you so desire has been here all along. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. And so yes, this yearning that we have, this longing to be satisfied, this purpose, it cannot be found in this world. Because we were made for another world. We were made for another home altogether a home that God has prepared for us, where there is a room for each one of us, a seat at the table for all of us. And as we believe, as we believe in Jesus, that life and that light dwells in us. That power of the Holy Spirit is in us. And now we have purpose. Now we have understanding. Now we have relationship with a limitless God who became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That is the purpose. That is what satisfies. Anything else that we put before that to try and satisfy us will fail because there's limits. There's limits. 
the nicest car in the world loses its new smell eventually. The best relationship in the world eventually will fade out because we don't live forever. Only the relationship that lasts forever is Jesus because he lives forever. He's bringing us home with him. All of it, all of it is found in him. I just love that with all of his authority and sovereignty and all those things that we discuss, what he did with it was save us. Not judge us, not condemn us, but say, hey, get to know me. Believe in me. And I will make you sons and daughters of the Most High God. That's what Jesus did. As he gave up his spirit on the cross, sacrificed himself for us, made a way for us, he gave us ultimate satisfaction in him. But this morning, if you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've been trying to find that satisfaction, that purpose, that understanding, that reason on your own, now is your moment to believe, to believe. That's what he asks. It's the whole purpose of this gospel to believe in him. That's what Jesus asks of us, that he, what he requires of us. Not to do this, that, and the other and fill out this long laundry list of things that we have to do before we know him. He says, no, believe. Believe in me. If you believe in your heart and you profess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And in that saved, you will find purpose, you will find life, and you will find life. And you will find satisfaction. If you're watching online, if you're in this room, you've never made that decision. You can do that right now. All you have to say is, I believe. Lord, I believe. But turn over that burden of trying to satisfy yourself and turn it over to him. Before we go into this last song, I want to read these verses to you, the same ones we just read, exact same ones out of John chapter 1, but I want to read the message version because I just love it. I think it's so good. It says, the word was first. The word was present to God. God present to the word. The word was God in readiness for God from day one. Everything was created through him. Nothing, not one thing came into being without him. What came into existence was life. And the life was light to live by. The life light blazed out of the darkness. The darkness couldn't put it out. There once was a man, his name was John, sent by God to point out the way to the life light. He came to show everyone where to look, who to believe in. John was not himself the light. He was there to show the way to the light. The life light was the real thing. Every person entering life he brings into light. He was in the world. The world was there through him and yet the world didn't even notice. He came to his own people but they didn't want him. But whoever did want him, who believed he was who he claimed and would do what he said, he made to be their true selves, their, God, their child of God's selves. These are the God-begotten, not blood-begotten, not flesh-begotten, not sex-begotten. The Word became flesh and blood, and I love this part right here, and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true, 
from start to finish. So the next time you're anxious, Jesus. The next time that you're stressed, Jesus. The next time that you're fearful or you're tired or you're lonely or you're full of joy, Jesus. It's Jesus. He is the answer to all of it because in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God and the Word moved into the neighborhood and dwelt among us. Praise God. Praise Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are a wonderful God with no limits, full of reason and purpose, full of life and light. You carry with you all authority and you are sovereign God. And with all those things, God, you loved us and you came down and you moved into the neighborhood. And for those that believe, you move into our hearts and you give us a satisfaction that we cannot find anywhere else. It is truly out of this world. God, I pray right now for those that have never made that decision to do so right now, to believe in you as a savior, as the son of God, as God, who has been, who is, and who will be to come, who is the great I am. And Father, for those of us that have made that decision, but maybe we've, we've forgotten who you are. We treat you as a novelty or as a discussion point, but we've lost the awe and we've lost the wonder of Jesus. God, forgive us and return us to our first love. And Father, I pray right now that we would not look to anything else to bring us satisfaction. We would not look to anything else to bring us peace, to bring us rest. God, when we are stressed beyond belief, we can remember that we serve a God who is limitless, who was in the beginning. And all our problems tend to shrink when we remember who you are. So remind us, Father, every single day as we worship you, as we get in your word, that you are an awesome God. And creation bows to its creator. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to take a moment before we start singing. Just Let's just stay in this moment and just close your eyes. Just consider Jesus in your life right now. And if you need to thank him, thank him. If you need to repent, repent. If you just need to tell him, if you haven't told him in a while that you love him, do that. Let's just take a moment. Amen. Let's stand as we close and worship this morning. And if you have not made that decision and want to, you can do it right where you're at.
You can find me, anyone that you see on stage. We'll pray with you. The decision is yours. Will you believe? Let's worship.